Welcome to HR Unscripted, Breaking the Silence, an audio journal where the HR stories are gonna come to light, finally. We're here to explore the human side of human resources beyond the politics and the policies and the bureaucracy that we all face on a daily basis. I'm Amy Sample, and I'm gonna guide you through this journey. I've had years of hands-on experience being in the trenches, and I have a heart dedicated to the people that really make the workplaces tick. This podcast peels back the curtain on HR's real stories. We've all have them. We've lived through them on a daily basis, the triumphs, the tribulations, and the tales that are too good not to share. From laughing out loud to crying, we're going to go through all the emotions that really make us human, and that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to get a little personal and a little unprofessional during this podcast, and we want you to be a part of it too. You've got your own insights to share, questions to ask, or stories to tell. Just make sure you connect with us, and we would love to hear your side of life in the HR space. Your experiences could inspire our next episode, or you could just find yourself on our show as well. Now let's get the ball rolling. In this premiere episode, I am so excited to introduce you to Tony Tarbox. His voice has graced the airwaves, and now he's using his talents to shape the minds of the corporate world, which, trust me, is a little scary. Yeah. He's just not our first guest. He's also going to be our co-host as we move forward, bringing his unique perspective to every discussion. So let's kick things off and turn the mic his way and get ready for a journey into the heart of HR, unscripted and uncensored. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for including me in this adventure. I I come and you're going to pull this out of me, I'm sure, as we have a, a discussion today. But I come from a long line of HR professionals, right? Like my, this is something my mom did. Yeah. And so this is, and it's never, it's never a place like I thought I would be. It's never a place. It's never a a part of the kind of business world that I was ever really attracted to as a kid or a young man. But every job I had, had some kind of component of human resources in it. And so I, I feel super comfortable talking about it. I feel super stoked to share my perspectives is somewhat uh, as somewhat of an unprofessional professional, I guess is a great way to kind yeah. of describe what I do and, and who I am and how I rock. So I uh, very excited <laughs> to tell you about me today. And on top of that, very excited to help you get these stories out of your cohort, your colleagues and the rest of the HR space, because it is such a cool space to play in. I know that sounds weird. And there may be some like HR, like non HR people out there listening and they're like, HR is cool. Well, you just do payroll. Yeah. Yeah. You just do payroll or or, yeah. (laughs) Well, you have to deal with conflict resolution. That's all you do. I mean, that's part of it, but yeah, there's a lot more. And we're going to talk about that uh, as this show develops. Very excited to take this first step into this space with you. So you're telling me third grade Tony never thought that he'd be doing an HR podcast. No, (laughs) I mean, you know, so you, you like, I grew up in Ames, Iowa and my mom was an HR professional uh, municipally for the city of Ames when I, that's my first memory of my mom kind of having a job. She was in human resources. Uh, I think it was for like the police department or the city some, somehow, it was, it was a million years ago, right? 
during my formative years, she was in the HR department at the local hospital. And so, uh, and, and the, the friends that she made in that department are still f- friends that she carries to this day. I had just had a couple, um, coffees with some of those, uh, folks not that long ago when I was home for the holidays. So HR runs totally through my blood. I did go to during career day, visit my mom at work. Cause I was lazy as a student. <laughs> And I thought no. this would be an easy A. Yeah, and a shocking, right? I thought this would be an easy A. So, uh, you know, in like sixth grade or whatever, sure. in eighth grade, um, I just, mom, can I come to work with you? Because I knew all the people she worked with. I was friendly with them. I just thought, you know, I'll go sit. It'll be a total wank. I'll just sit and and I'll just write a paper on based on what I already know my mom does because she complains about it at dinner, you know? So I know kind of what the beef is. So yep. that, that was really, that was the only the like as a young professional as a young man kind of figuring out what my path was going to be that's the only hr was that like it was what my mom had imprinted on me and what i knew that that this world consisted of it wasn't it wasn't a lifestyle choice it wasn't a, a career path i had ever considered but lo and behold here we are i kept taking it so what did you so little Tony doesn't want to be in HR? You get in high school, and then then what? Teacher, I want to be a teacher, man. I want to be a teacher like nobody's business. I went to Ames High School in Ames, Iowa, uh, Iowa State University, home Iowa State University. It's just like forty five minutes north of Des Moines, uh, town about forty thousand people or so. There are about four hundred kids in my graduating class somewhere around there, and there was a there was an elective course that you could take in high school. Um, it was like elementary ed prep, and it was like a preparatory class that you could take if you were bound and determined to be an educator. And I, that's what I wanted to do. So I. What, what forced you into that? I mean, did you have like 80 siblings? Like, why the teacher route? I just, I, I've always liked explaining. And when I'm at my worst, mansplaining, I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've always liked explaining how That's things. That's going to be a whole episode. Oh, mansplaining. Yeah. Keep me out of it. Keep me out. The of ladies. It. Or invite me to. Yeah, exactly. You can mansplain us how to mansplain. But it was like it was like uh, it, it, I don't. I always like showing people how to do something right, or or, mm-hmm. or or lifting people up. I think was the the bigger part of that, right? And, and entertaining. I, I was a class clown. Weird. Sh- I know. Big revelation. I'm glad you're sitting Stop. down. Stop. I know. Weird. Um, but I I like the attention. I liked an audience. And so what what profession better marries entertainment and education than I mean, there's two choices, right? You can be a you can be like a infotainment host like Mr. Wizard or Mr. Rogers, Mr. Rogers or Beekman, <laughs> right? For kids sure. in the 90s. Yep. Or you could get in, you can be a teacher. And that's what I thought. Like, well, kids will laugh at my jokes because they're stupid, right? This will be easy. I'll be a teacher. And not only will I get to help glow them up, but I'll be able to to have a captive, literally captive audience uh, for the rest of my days. And I, you get summers off, right? And I, I was single at the time too. So I was like, this will be a great way. Sure. Yeah. This is a this will be a great way to meet possible partner. This is awesome. And so that's kind of that was the big driver. And in 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 high school, I took those classes. I started and then after high school, I started to take some co- collegiate courses and college courses that were pointing me that way. And I grew, I, I got soured 
by the just crazy bureaucracy that the teaching profession and this was in yeah it's so this sad. was this was 20 20 30 years ago this is we're talking middle 90s turn of the century right 1900s it, it, i can't imagine i mean i follow the news i live in missouri you know i know what teachers go through or at least on the periphery i yeah i, I pay attention to what teachers go through so it's, i'm i have I'm so much respect and love in my heart for mm -hmm. people who have that profession because i know how hard it can be so the bureaucracy of it and not only that but bad parents and let me tell you Oof. something y'all uh not all parents are, are are wearing halos you know what i mean uh so the the bad parents of which there are a lot and the bureaucracy of it kind of kind of soured me on it and so i i took a career path kind of turn and i thought maybe this would be something that so there would be other places where I could do this kind of work and like social, I thought I considered social work for a little while. I took some jobs in that space. You know, I worked in a, um, I worked in a residential treatment what? facility. Yeah. So residential treatment facility, I guess not to be reductive, but the, if I say orphanage, it's kind sure. of like, that. but it's all, it's court ordered kids there that have some kind of, need to be there they're acting out sometimes violently sometimes sexually um they usually come from a bad place they're all court ordered there and it was run by lutheran the lutheran church lutheran lutheran services of iowa i think it was called i was beloit was the name of the facility that i worked at and it was uh there were like 30 to 50 kids in this facility at any given time fully wow. 24 hours staffed and i was i was one of those the staff there i used to the, the people that i worked with there in particular, I still am friends with to this day. We I, old friends, John Darnell from the Mountain Goats. I used to work oh, wow. uh, with him there. He, he there's an album uh, that he wrote while he was working there. Uh, for those of you listening and know the Mountain Goats, uh, it's All Hail West Texas is the album that he wrote while we were working together in that space. Um, there's a song called "The Best Death Metal Band Out of Denton" um, that has a line in it that goes something like, "I'm, I'm going to mess this up," but it goes something like. If you punish a dreamer for dreaming his dreams, don't expect him to thank or forgive you. And I always thought that, that was I always thought that was really, really cool because there yep. was the you know, these kids were acting out and they were look they were just like screaming for help in languages that we didn't understand. This is languages they communicated with, right? And so that was you know, a lot of empathy I learned there. Those kids that we worked with there taught me. Uh, a lot Absolutely. about myself, a lot about the world, a lot about the evils of the world. Um, I remember one night it was an overnight shift and I, I had like three hours of work to do, but eight hours of time to do it in. You know what I mean? So uh, that sounds I, like a, your type of job. Oh, buddy. I was. Yeah, this is <laughs> custom made for your boy. So I was reading I was reading like case histories and I remember like just weeping, like openly weeping at, when I was reading what these these my wards, mm -hmm. these kids had gone through in their lives. And so that was something that I did for a while. I worked there. I worked again with John uh, Darnell. We, we, we left Beloit. We went over to um, the hospital where my mom used to work. And I got jobs uh, around the same time at um, the, uh, on the psych floor on the behavioral health. It was uh, the, the, the terminology at the time, I think was a clinical behavioral health unit lock psych floor right like this is this is wow. straight we had straight jackets on the floor we had seclusion rooms you know straps down to the bed you know that kind of thing uh both adolescent and adult 
and that was it for me. Like that was that was, was kind of to say, like, you know, when is, you know, you've probably experienced and seen and, and you know, probably a lot of bad things happen to, yeah. oh, to a few yeah. of those folks. Like, I, I don't know if I could do it. You know? No, it's and that's what that's what I eventually like, you know, looked internally. Like, is this something that is sustainable for you? Is this something that you can do? Is this something that you can make, you know, another five, 10 year career, 20 year career out of? Mm-hmm. And the answer was, quite frankly, no, I didn't have um, I didn't have the stamina for it. And, and, and more importantly, like I felt myself becoming hardened to that kind of thing because I was exposed to it and I never wanted to be okay with that kind of evil in the world. Like I never wanted to just be accepting of it. So I felt myself like getting to that point and it, it was a lot, it was taken a lot out of me. So I, I noped out another, by the way, profession that I want to shout out uh, nursing, especially um, nursing and and direct care workers in the mental health field y'all are doing salt of the earth salt of the earth the the work that you do so important so demonized still to this day and 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 under underappreciated i think that that field is completely underappreciated almost as much as teachers Mm -hmm. so instead of that i uh i got into radio (laughs) let's do a 180 here how in the hell did you get into radio i had a who did you know in radio nobody didn't know anybody didn't know anybody that voice of yours that's a hundred percent someone i was out with some friends one night i was making everybody laugh you know the class class was coming out and um so i think someone said like yo you should go be on the radio. And I was like, you know what? That does sound like a good idea. So I I figured out, you know, when you're when you're when you're in your late teens, early 20s, and you're trying to figure out what it is that you want to do, and you yep. set your sights on something, you're like, how do I get to that point? I looked at radio. It was still, you know, we're talking late 90s, right? So it's yeah, still it a viable, yeah. it's still a thing, right? Not so much anymore. But uh at the time, it was still a thing. And so like how do I do this? How can I know I can crush it? I know I can, I can, I can, I can do this. So how do I, how do I get there? And I went to school for it in Minneapolis. Uh, I got a job in Minneapolis on you got air. A job? Right. Yeah. Right away on air in Minneapolis at the time, the, I want to say 16th largest radio market well. in, in the U S and they, you know, LA is number one, New York's number two or vice versa. Chicago, I know, is number three. Then you got like Houston, Dallas, Miami, et cetera. Minneapolis, St. Paul is the 16th largest. And the the clout that you earn by being on air somewhat defined by the audience size that you've got, right? And so I, my first job out of the gate, I'm talking to an audience on an alternative radio station in the 90s. Oof, you got to know your shit to do that. So cool, right? Mm-hmm. Super cool in, in Minneapolis, home of, of Prince Rogers Nelson home of the Minnesota Timberwolves, home of, most importantly, First Avenue Nightclub, the storied, legendary venue uh, in downtown Minneapolis. So this was this was my reality. I, I was working radio there. It didn't pay anything. I always thought radio show hosts no. were, like, the epitome of, like, oh, my God, they must get paid so I much think- money. So I, a story that I don't think I've ever told anybody is I wanted to be a radio show host oh. 
so effing bad when I was growing up. Like I would, you know, call in and request, sure. you know, I want to hear X, Y, and Z or, right. um, and I was like, I remember one night I called in and we got to talking to the DJ there. He would just open it up to mics and he would just talk to us uh, oddly enough. And, yeah. um, I was like, I'm going to take your job one day. And oh. I specifically remember him telling me like, my job probably won't be around, you know, yeah, when you yeah. get there. I was like, uh, and I didn't understand that. You right, know? right, right. I remember because you, 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 the, the, the internet is a thing, right? Yeah, in 1997, 1998. Yeah. And so when you look things up online, like, is this a career path that you can take? Yep. And there are like, it's highly competitive, low pay. And they, they say yeah. things like, it's a diet. And even then, like the death nails are here. It's never and I just like you thought in one yeah. year and out your mother, like this isn't going to be whatever I can do. This, yeah. this is going to be around What are those things? So I, that, you know, what's good about that story that you just told Amy is that you're, you manifested it in this show in HR unscripted. Then you are now. I've, yeah. I've come full circle. Now you've got your own radio show. Yeah. So I did, I did radio for a long, long time. It was a lot of fun. Um, and then I'm, that's where I met you. Uh, right afterwards. That's where your life changed. 100%. So you were in Minneapolis and then where did I was, you go? Like, I was, where... I was in Minneapolis and then I bounced, I started to bounce around. I was in Minneapolis. I moved back to Iowa. I got a job in Iowa running, uh, well, just re- not even running a radio station yet. I was just kind of on air doing everything that I possibly could um, in that market uh, for a couple of different stations. Then I moved to Omaha, worked in Omaha for a little while, did some work on air in other kind of smaller markets Mm -hmm. and then got out because it's just not it's not it's not a career path like i mean how many of you i mean just by you know i can't see people raising their hands but how many of you listening have a radio in your life that's not in your car that's not physically attached to your automobile you know yeah yeah i I definitely don't have one no nobody i do because i'm an old radio nerd but my taste for it it kind of left you know it was it wasn't as fun as it was when mm-hmm. I started, right? At so when did the, you end? What I, year? When, when I met you. Yeah. That year. So 14? I, my wife, yeah, 13, 2013, 2014. My wife, job bless her, when we met, had an undergraduate degree. And we were, she, you know, she was kind of bouncing around a couple of different jobs in AM's retail stuff, food service stuff, and, and hated it. She wanted to change. So she went back to school. She got her MBA. Yeah, she's the, she's my hero, man. She got her MBA. She's my hero. And now she is director of operations for an underwear company. Shout out Shinesty, Shinesty.com. They just released a line of socks that I'm wearing right now. Mad comfortable. What do you have he- on? What are they? Heel What's hammocks. They're just black. They're just black socks with like a teal kind of accent to them. Okay. Heel hammocks. Heel hammocks. Yeah. She goes to school. She gets her MBA. She gets a job offer in Boulder, Colorado. And I very, it was 2013 when she graduates. And I very distinctly heard asking me, hey, how would you feel about moving to Boulder, Colorado? And I was like, twist my arm. Oh my God. Yes. Because I have a, um, I, we haven't talked about this yet, but I have a cannabis habit. And what? I, I, we, I, I had no idea. Shocking. Shocking. <laughs> I, I knew that adults in the state of Colorado, the year prior had voted mm-hmm. into existence the very first of its kind legal adult use cannabis market. This is something that anybody could dip into provided they were old enough, right? 
You didn't need a medical card. You didn't need a debilitating condition. And I was like, oh, my. Move to Boulder? Yes, yes please. please. <laughs> so we moved to Boulder, Colorado in May of 2013. Cannabis doesn't start in Colorado until January 1 of yep. 2014, right? And so I, 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 I called some contacts and I landed a job running a couple of different radio stations in the Fort Collins market, right? Uh, there isn't really radio per se in Boulder. Uh, all of the, there, there used to be a real kick-ass radio station, um, a AAA station in Boulder that is no longer based in Boulder. It's based out of Denver. And 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 Denver's a, a highbrow market. And I didn't, and when you go into a new market, unless you're invited there by a job offer, you mm -hmm. you really got to start at the bottom and work your way up through an unfamiliar sense. ladder and, and, and kind of environment. So I didn't want to do that uh, per se. So I, I, I looked at other big markets, big ish markets around Denver that I could enter into and found a job in Fort Collins, Loveland actually, and, and running a couple of radio stations there. The thing that sucks about that, that situation is that I had to commute from Boulder to Fort Collins, yeah. which usually it's the other way around. People commute into the city of Boulder from, areas around Colorado. I think this was like our first conversation. Probably. Yeah. No, it's your very, very, it sucked. It. For those of you who understand the geography of Northern Colorado, you'll know that the commute from Boulder to Fort Collins, especially if you're doing bankers hours, right? You're, you're, you're going like an hour and a half into the sun both ways, right? It's only, it's only about 45 miles or so, but because of traffic and because of the infrastructure, of northern Colorado. It's like an hour and a half sometimes into the sun both ways. And that sucked. And so I was like, <laughs> you know what? I've had a, my fill of radio. I've had a great career in radio. I've made a lot of friends, had a lot of fun. It's not the same as it was before. I'm going to yeah, I'm going to throw my hat. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, it's not quite dead yet, but it's certainly in its iron lung. Yeah. I I I answer an ad to join a company a cannabis company this is like i was like i'm gonna do something that's super sexy and super fun just like radio was at the time when i jumped into it it was super sexy super fun i like jobs that are super sexy super fun i feel like cannabis was the dot com particularly of like my generation you're Absolutely. a little older than me by a scooch Absolutely. but i mean it was definitely something that was new and exciting and nobody knew what the hell they were doing and it was it was a free-for-all literally everybody uh, was trying to figure it out as they went along from yep. legislators to uh city officials and law enforcement to the people who held those licenses and put those businesses up everybody was kind of figuring it out as they went along and the interesting thing about colorado at that time or cannabis at that time to me was that this is something this is something i can get in on the ground floor this is something that if i can figure mm -hmm. this out then this is something that that likely will carry me on to other kind of greener pastures, or this can be a cool new career path for me. And so I uh, come into it knowing nothing about weed, nothing. I wanted yep. to be, I, I, I don't know if I ever told you this, I wanted to be a bud tender. Like that's what I thought I could be best at, but I was, I'm just a wook from Ames, Iowa, man. I don't know. I barely knew the difference between Indica Sativa, right? Fast yeah. forward to today, and that's not necessarily a, a language that we talk about. We can get into weed later, but I I was very intimidated by the people that were in that industry 
because Colorado had had a medical industry for five years prior. Colorado goes legal medical in 2009, right? And the company that I'm applying for had been around since then. They were one, I think, if mm -hmm. not the first, definitely one of the first in Boulder County to obtain a medical license. And so yep. I'm like, all right, well, I just need to get my foot in the door and then I'll figure it out from there. So I, I look around for the kind of lowest hanging fruit. And to me at the time, that's trim table. I sit at the tr yep. trim table. For those of you who don't know cannabis, um, when they harvest the plant, they, you know, they take it down and the, the parts that you want from the plant have to be cut off the parts that you don't want. And that's a, that's a manual labor job. Uh, there's some automation now, but at the time, all done by hand, right? And mm -hmm. so I thought I can sit at this trim table for a little while and I can figure, I've, you know, I still got enough vinegar in the tank that I can sit at this trim table, I can figure this out and then we can kind of move on from there. And that's the that's when I met you. I applied for this job at a, at a vertically integrated company that is literally across the street from my apartment. You know, this is other exciting for me because then, you know, no hour and a half commute. Are you kidding me? Yep. I'm probably going to get an employee discount. Tight, right? So this, I have access to some of the world's finest cannabis too, like in, in Boulder, Colorado, certainly. I still think that's true to this day. So I apply, I, I send it. I, was it, was it like in, in an Indeed ad? I forget how I applied. Actually, I think back in that I day, email you? it was like Craigslist and Indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even think. So when I got hired into the industry, I got poached to come into the industry and one of my first conversations with the owner of this company was nobody wants to work in the cannabis industry. You're going to have such a hard time finding anybody. And what she said to me was for bud tenders, those that actually sell the product to you in the, in the store, right. that she's hiring models. And so what she's doing is going after the spa end and, and that right. kind of clientele. And so... At the very first of, of like, let's say six months there, I was putting out modeling like ads and spa ads and Funny. come join this like tranquil, like, right. you know, uh, new opportunity, kind of new age thing. Right. And then when I would get them on the phone screen, I would then have to like say, uh, kibosh that this is really what we're doing. Right. And so as you can imagine. Oh, wow. They were like, like no. I, yeah, I got a, a lot of like, you know, no and a hang up. And that's a literal you know. bait and switch, right? Yeah, I did. That's and so, so eventually, you know, I as things come, you know, out of the light and, and you know, we really had to make this a real business now. Right. right. You know, then we put job descriptions together and things like that. So right. I do believe by the time you came around, we were doing, we weren't like, hiding anymore we i did had a lot of hiding at first i had no idea what to expect i wouldn't have been surprised if you made me go to uh, a manufactured home in a trailer park somewhere and i had to sit <laughs> in my car until you paged me because that was my experience with cannabis before right like you meet someone somewhere in a shady yeah place in the back and, alley with his backpack and so i had no idea what to expect i knew i you know i knew the business and it was a nice business it still is to this day a nice business yep. When I got there, I was blown away because, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I know what HR is supposed to look like because my mom did it for so long. And that's what I was met with. I was I like it was a much more professional space than I mm -hmm. than I expected. And that that was very comforting to me at the time. 
because to, in order to work in the industry, you have to put yourself out there, right? Like you have to go on paper, like you are on a list. And at that time, right? Yeah, this nobody is 20, wanted to be on that list. No one wanted to be on that list. They run your, you know, they run your information and you have to like Give essentially come out and, to the government yeah. and say, hey, I... I am facilitating the use of this product, which up until 2014 is something that in a lot of states would get you put away. I mean, I spent the night in jail for cannabis a million yep. years ago, and that'll come up a little bit later. But uh, this is something that I was I was a little nervous by. And your professional demeanor and the way that you handled that kind of first touch with me as a as a as a candidate or as an applicant was very very welcoming and very very assuring too this is something this is legitimate right this is a legitimate business you know they're gonna have you know i'm a little ahead of myself but i you know fill out a w2 and like all of that other stuff it's yeah like a real person yeah well it's interesting too you know i came in to the industry having a very kind of corporate world structure behind me you know i've sure. got degrees and I got a master's degree and now I am in this crazy industry that doesn't have any employee files and I'm right. trying to send people oh so his story about this is so for those of you that don't know to get badged essentially into the industry you've got to wear a badge on on at all times yeah it's a it's a it's a licensed industry like yeah. you know like a dental hygienist or a, a hair professional right you have to go in, in most states require some sort of certification process in order for you to be able to legally work in that in that sector. So when I was first, when everybody back in early for 2014 was trying to figure out that badging process, mm -hmm. I sent a lady down to get badged to do all of her fingerprints. And one of the stipulations was in at that point in time, like, you couldn't be behind on child support right. and you had to you have couldn't your be taxes behind. filed yeah. on yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. You could, and I, you couldn't have, you couldn't have, uh, there were certain, there were certain things that you couldn't have been charged with. Like if yep. there was any, you know, legal entanglement in your, in your history and they, yeah, like you said, they, you go at the time you had to go down to an office just off the Capitol building from in, right the, next to the police Denver, station. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> and so you would be, you go into this room and it's a big giant cattle call. There, you, it's like take a number and wait, right? And you have to make sure all your 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 application and paperwork is in in order. And then you just sit there and wait. And that's what you sent this woman to go do. Yeah. So the poor lady I sent down there, she goes up to the window, and long story short is that she gets arrested for yeah. for something that's on her application. That's so the funny. cops are right next door, and they're just. Yeah you know walk her in and walk her out it's like man so did she you know, call you from, did she call you not from jail what I after um, she no, got how'd you not find out for a while so uh, she just you know i it was a new it was a new person it was a new right. application i hadn't right. known this person for very long i'm like this is what you have to do you know go down there and i just assumed that they ghosted you know i didn't sure. hear back from her i thought maybe i sent them down there and it just didn't go right or she was right. like i got something going on and i don't want to go right. no you know i eventually heard through the grapevine of, of what happened they never came back to work for us but yeah essentially i sent somebody down there and they ran her background found some 
some issues and then they made her go pay for those issues. This yeah. a similar thing happened to me. I got arrested for cannabis possession in the state of Iowa and state of Iowa at the time. They still have very draconian laws around cannabis on the books uh, here. Let's get that changed. Right. But uh, at the time uh, I had, you know, I spent the night in jail, but I had received like a, it was a suspended judgment, I think is what the courts mm -hmm. called it. Yeah. Meaning that if I fulfilled all the obligations they put in front of me, then it would be it would be sealed and stricken from the record. Well, when you apply in 2014 to work in the cannabis industry in the state of Colorado, you have to come correct with all of that information, even if it is sealed. So I remember you offered me a job and you were like, this offer is only open for 10 days or whatever it is. And I had to hustle my buns. I had to because my. I, I threw all my paperwork away. I was like, you know, after that happened, I'm done. Was, this is like 2007, something like that. And so, yeah, I'm done. I, this isn't part of me anymore. I had to call the court. I had to petition a judge to unseal my case to, so that, that they could send me that paperwork saying that I had jumped through all of those hoops. And Crazy. I think by the skin of my teeth, I got that. I took it in. I got my badge. I got the job, but it wasn't, you, you didn't offer me the trim job oh god no i did no. not offer you that trim job so tony comes in to my office and he is uh loud I mean, animated uh, and animated and so there was very with within our company within each department there is a very unique set of individuals as yeah, you might imagine also. and they have i knew that they like certain music and some of them like during the the afternoon they would turn the music off and like have quiet time and they would just focus to themselves and so i knew putting you back there like you would At have caused a ruckus i think I, I i tell this story to people when i you know when i meet them about you know my history in the cannabis industry because of some other work that i do but uh to to lend to credibility like i i'm one of you hello yeah. fellow kids uh, I think what I tell people is that you said to me that if I put you at that trim table, they'll kill you Yeah, because you talk too much. <laughs> you, you do. I love you because you talk too much. Yeah. You That's why we're doing this together. for me, not talking as much. So we put you into the bud tender yeah. position just yeah. because you had that je ne sais quoi about yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh -huh. And you killed it. And I did. so at that point in time, I was building not only the HR department from the ground up, which I probably I'm going to I'm going to say this about myself. Yeah, I think I was probably the first HR director in the entire. I think so. Place. I think so. Like, certainly to hold the title and to do it right. Certainly with the credentials that you carry, probably. Yeah. I mean, I created a a, a department from scratch in a in a brand new industry which was so fun to do and during this as you can imagine i mean we needed training and development and processes and procedures and we were very highly scrutinized on how our bud tenders delivered the product mm -hmm. just because of you know the business that we were involved in you know i always told everybody that we were the whole foods market of, of the cannabis industry in, in Boulder, Colorado, you know, mm -hmm. they were our clientele, you know, those, the moms, the minivan moms, right. Right? right. You know, we're always coming through our, our, our door. And so, you know, with, with that being said, you know, I, I took a step back from kind of the daily HR 
duties, hired some people underneath me, and then was directed to build out this entire course of essentially we wanted a university right when we, well, i we mean we to, knew yeah. we knew what worked right like we yep. knew we knew what what moved the dial we knew how to approach salespersonship in this mm-hmm. very unique space with in a way that very few people especially in boulder but certainly up and down the front range had figured out i mean there are a couple of players in that at space that that's still time. to bring yeah. out today but at that point in time it was brand new and so the the way that you approached building those teams and then how we incorporated capturing that lightning in a bottle and replicating that was something that then that's where that's where we, you and I really started to work t- together way more closely because I was doing really really well at presenting product at establishing rapport at establishing loyalty yeah. with the people that we were talking with the consumer base and I was showing other people kind of how to do that because at the time it was just really tribal knowledge. That's how people learn mm-hmm. about products. That's how they learned about compliance with the law. That's how they learned about uh, the you know policies in store, the, you know, house policies. I've never been involved in an industry that wanted all the knowledge immediately yeah. Yeah. right up front. Give, yeah. give me everything that you've got as quickly Crazy. as possible. Yeah. Because I mean, we, we had to, we had to hit the ground running because everything was so, so fast moving the early adopters were the ones that were winning. Right. And and so we had to kind of figure this out and we wanted to replicate like growth was Mm -hmm. in the air. And so the test that we got from our superiors was make everybody like Tony. I mean, I'm not, not to be glib, but make everybody like Tony. Right. Yep. And so that's what we, we kind of set out to do. And we did a, I think we did a kick-ass job. Yeah. I mean, we went to every department from, cure to grow to budgeter to compliance to and we were like you know essentially let's step by step it let's yeah. make sops and you're the subject matter expert yeah we're gonna talk to you we're gonna pull these processes out of you and we're gonna we're, uh, we did it was like a year-long yeah essentially process mapping project that we got down on paper there were other people on the team and other people that helped but it was primarily kind of our our role Show to run. Awesome. Yeah. yeah yeah it was sick so and then um tragedy happened so long story longer um we saw you know a steve jobs kind of happen where yeah you know and you know I've, I've seen some things you know you know probably everybody listening to the podcast has seen the c-suite unravel to yeah. to some extent right yeah, yeah. and you and i had the front row seat to that oh, happening oh yeah you know, it was like a divorce, right? Like some of you, yep. were, you know, there were people that were excited about going with one parent. There were people excited about staying with the other parent and there were lines drawn, you know, we were aligned because our values were aligned and our project was aligned too, which allowed us to kind of move on into another project. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we went with uh, mommy during the divorce. That's true. <laughs> That's, That's a so good funny. way to put it. Yeah, I think so. Um, and, you know, we watched the shareholders kind of pick apart that that company, unfortunately. And um, we started another company called Zoltrain. Zoltrain. And, uh, yeah, this was a company that was only focused on L&D, learning and development. This is all that this company was going to be tasked to do because we knew that there is a huge gap to this day, still is a huge mm-hmm. gap in learning and development in the cannabis space. Anybody in the cannabis industry that's listening to it, invest 
in L&D and watch your revenue rise. Promise, promise. But we can get into that later. If you want to get a hold of us, we provide those services for you. The learning and development sector was very enticing to me because this, you know, going back to the beginning of my story, this encompasses everything that I, at my core, like to do. And none of the stuff I don't like to do, Mm -hmm. you know, none of the retail nonsense that you got it because cannabis retail is at the end of the day retail. And so all the headaches that you have in retail are there, but exacerbated by the complexities that cannabis brings to the table. And so this was extremely attractive to me starting this company with you, which is still a lie. I still work for that company today. I still do work for them. It's awesome. So what do you do for them right now? Like, a day of Tony. Same thing, kind of initially. In fact, uh, I I help those retailers that utilize that software develop their training and use that software to train their staff on everything from new products to science to salespersonship. I'm doing the same thing we did when 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 you glowed me up. I'm still doing that. In addition to that, um. I, I mentioned certification, right? We were mm-hmm. talking about certification. So in some states, Colorado, Massachusetts, Illinois, they, as part of that badging process that Amy talked about earlier, as part of that kind of certification to work in the industry, there's some education, there's some training that has to happen. And I deliver that training to, I want to say, hundreds of tenders a week. It's a, it's like a- uh, It's a three- right up your alley. It is. It's awesome. It's a, it's a, a three to five hour instructor led learning session. I'm the instructor. I'm your instructor, Tony. Um, and then it's a proctored exam, like certification exam based on the material that I, that I deliver that and the soft, the software, uh, for happy cabbage. That's, that's kind of what I do in addition to help you, you know, make sure that if there's learning and development, issues that your clients not necessarily cannabis clients here like you because your company touches everybody Mm -hmm. um i help them kind of develop training programs learning and development paths um i i i am so grateful for you because you got a lot better knowledge about what we have to include and what we need to include and I'm better at, you know, all of the other stuff, like judging it up, making it oh, sexy, yeah. retention, delivery. knowledge retention, right? Like that's really hard delivery. You know, how do we get this, you know, how, how do we, how do we put this training in front of someone and make it not, you know, the Wendy's training video that you, everybody's seen before, right? Like the super boring cliche, super snooze-a-thon training videos that we all got in the 1900s, if you're my age or older. So kind of diving into like the L and D side of things within HR, you know, I, I know that you've kind of been on the forefront of that for, for quite a few years now. How big do you think that L and D should be a part of a business? So you want to talk about what kills a business man. And, and some of the pain points that, that businesses have, I think right now, especially, in 2024, retention cannot be mm. ignored, right? You and I did a lot of work trying to source what it costs to bring someone up to speed in the cannabis industry, right? Um, the the and those are that's thousands and thousands of dollars that you have to invest in an entry level position 
in order for that entry level position to deliver on the promise that you provide the people that are coming to you, right? For whatever that promise is. Absolutely. In order to ensure that that promise is delivered upon each and every time in a way that aligns with your vision requires learning and development. De uh, learning, the L part of that. Development yeah. is important because one thing that we noticed and, and a struggle that we had in retail is that retail isn't necessary? There's not a lot of rungs to climb on that ladder, right? There's not a lot of advancement. And people get into the cannabis industry, especially in 2014, 15, 16, thinking, well, this is a, I did it. This is a career path for me. This is something new that I can, you know, I, I will be yep. able to be president of whatever. In like six months. Yeah, this is, yeah, I got <laughs> So development has to be there in order for that, that path forward, you know, and and not only that, but it's got to be clearly explained. There has to be clear expectations yep. about what that development path looks like. In order to have that clarity, you have to invest in someone to lay that out or invest your time in laying that out for the people that are working for you. They need to know, is this somewhere that I can stick around? Is it somewhere that I want to stick around? Are they going to invest in me? Is there a path yep. forward for me? Or is this just a... You know, is this just a, a gig, right? If it's And that's fine if it's just a gig. But if you want to retain employees, if you want to grow your business, if and, and there's so many of your clients in particular now at Shades of Grey, Amy, that we talk to that they are family businesses and they want to grow. Yep. And they say that retention is an issue for them, right? But I don't think that they know, you know, you've been in, in client meetings with me. Right. They don't know how to do it and the time yeah. it takes to make Ooh, yeah. a really good training program it's an investment it's a lot it is it's an, an investment. investment and on top of that the other thing is that it's a cost sink it's not a revenue maker not a, a long con yeah and i apologize for the con but long long form it is it absolutely will increase revenue 100 percent. retention increases revenue happy employees increase revenue that's just like that's true the generation now that we're seeing come up like now that yeah. are making us look really old. Yeah. They, they almost demand that that is in place. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's what I saw when you, when, when you would feed me <laughs> green bud tenders, right. That outside of what am I going to learn about what's next? You know, once yeah. I master this, what's, is there something next for me? And, and because, you know, our leadership at the time had thought about that and had invested in that. There were places for them to go. You know, I the 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 best credit that I can give to that company is that they they really, really tried to give people paths out. And that's something that you learn in radio too, right? You never stay in one place for too long. Otherwise you get old and crusty. And so you're always looking at the next jump and you're also always looking to bring people up behind you. It's not like other industries where, you know, you bring the ladder up behind you. I got mm -hmm. my job. I'm going to, I'm going to preserve my, my space. Really the, the best way to succeed in radio is to bring people up around you and send them out. The best people I know in terrestrial broadcasting are people that lifted, mentored other people, brought them up, showed them the way, and then Absolutely. set them off to, to succeed. And I think that that is something that's common or should be common anyway in learning and development. And that should be an attitude that you take 
when you start your company is who can I, who can I boost up? That's going to make you, that's going to make you better in word of mouth. It's going to make you better with the quality of the people that are coming out of you. You know, when, when someone goes after being in a company that has invested in learning and development and they go to another job and that job looks at their indeed profile and they said, you know, they see, you know, you and your progress in your, in your resume at that one spot, like that's impressive. Right. Yeah. And so in order to provide that, you have to invest in L and D it's, it's expensive. It doesn't return revenue, but at the end of the day, it, it, it cements your foundation in such a way that it helps you to stave off some of those forces that come in from society. Yeah. Right? One of the coolest businesses that I was a part of, and I wasn't a part of this business, but I I, I knew of them. Um, they're in the logistics industry, the, uh, the moving household goods, right? Sure. Um, they literally built an entire house in their warehouse. Cool. So once they're, you know, if you're a new hire, you don't know right. how to, you know, move right. a mattress or, or right. wrap a chair or right. what box you need to do a whole kitchen move in. Like they will walk you through how to pack a house, how to move a house, how See. to, you know, do everything that you need to do to be successful. And that um, company outperformed everybody else in that, uh, in their, in their region, in that sector. Yeah. yeah of course. Yeah, still of course blowing it out of the water today. Man, if Boulder yeah. wasn't so GD expensive, I I always wanted to have like a lab where we could put people through the motions. But Boulder's so yeah. expensive that you can't just like open up a a fake store to put. But I mean, in. I I think that this is you know every business out there. I mean, they all they all say it. You know, oh, I need to do some L and D, or I need to do yeah. this, or write a process for that, and they just never do it. And so I think that's one of my my pet peeves with with all the clients that we work for and is that they don't take the the time to do it. It's and it's time. You have to invest in it. You have to be intentional about it and you have to have a a, a clear idea. Here's a piece of advice. You have to have a clear if you're if you are thinking about developing um or boosting your L&D process and even even down to your onboarding where you set these kind of expectations, right? Knowing where you want your people to be, like knowing where the X is on that treasure map, spend time figuring that out. Yep. Getting getting from the starting point to that X, that's what our you know that's what our job is. That I think that's almost easier than figuring out where that X is. If mm -hmm. you have that spot on the horizon that you can focus on, say I want this person to get there. And I want, this is what, this is the, these are the the qualities that I want this person to possess, right? Then you can, then you can build that up. So start yeah. at the end, start with the finish and then work your way kind of up to that. That's what, that's the approach we take, right? Yeah, right? Whenever you absolutely. create any kind of learning content, you know, here's some instructional design, right? You have to list your learning objectives mm -hmm. after taking this content, the learner will be able to A, B, C, D, right? You map that out and then you build the class kind of from there. That's how instructional courses are most often put together that's how any kind of curriculum most often yeah. is put together so um piece of advice for you out there listening as you're kind of thinking about l d if we've inspired you in any way to think about the way you do l d uh or the way that your your, your company does l d yeah i want to hear about it look for that look for that x on the horizon look for the you know and, and if you're having trouble finding that look for your your highest performers 
it, whatever metrics you're using to, to 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 suss that out, look for those people and 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 pull out of them, you know, what it is or 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 draw that archetype out. You know, what is it about this person that makes them so good? And then use that as your template for what that where that X is and what that X marks. You know, all the companies are, sh are struggling out there. Recruiting is an issue. Um, obviously, it's been an issue for for many years now. But, you know, to stop the good people leaving your organization, you've you've got to do something different. Right. Yeah. And, you know, when I started Shades of Grey HR, it's one of the reasons, you know, I wanted to work with various clients because I wanted to give them the opportunity to have somebody. So that fractional piece, if you just want learning and development, then you have the opportunity right. to do that at a fairly low cost. Right. You know what right. I mean? Right. So there's just companies out there that need to take a, a step back and, you know, evaluate how they can be different because if you're not different, man, the world's going to eat you up. I, I think within 10 years or so, I mean, I, just think it's we've got to do things different it's interesting to see people that are kind of participating on the like applicant side and what they respond to like what moves mm -hmm. the dial for them and you know expectation setting paths forward paid training right or or not even paid but like the just knowing that you're going to give me the tools that i need to succeed yeah. and having that clearly communicated when you're just starting to kind of start that relationship with your employer or if you're the employer with your employee like and figuring that piece out huge yeah huge big green flag big green flag so you've been in the hr world yeah Un un unwittingly in the un hr world yeah we pulled you in we suckered you in yeah would you do it all again yeah of course yeah i, I uh you know I, it, it, we just got through the first of the year just after the first of the year right everybody's had this time to reflect on last year and kind of take stock of where they're at and i am you know at doing that 23 23 into 2024 like i'm super stoked on where i'm at. super stoked on my opportunity in fact i want to get deeper into it i want to you know i was talking to my wife you know what does this year look like to you and i i'm going to learn more about building curriculum like that's a that's a goal for me mm -hmm. like whatever that looks like right and everything everything that i did to get to this point in my in my life professionally and personally was a step forward you know now especially after you know making me tell you your life story or my life story over the last 45 minutes or whatever uh it's clear to me that and I don't think about this often, but it's clear to me that everything kind of led me to this point. Yeah. Right. Every there's a you know there's a piece of every part of those seemingly very disparate paths. Even going further back to my time, yeah, I was a soda jerk when I was a kid. A real ass <laughs> ice cream like soda fountain. I worked at yeah when I was a kid. I worked in a a, a dish room for one of those I midwestern family feed bags. Like every. Every job I had, I worked for a newspaper for a little while in circulation, like managing paper boys. And they were called paper boys at the time. Yeah, it's, I, I excel in dead and dying media. It's where I'm a, a Viking. Maybe we shouldn't be friends anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, oh, yeah. No, you <laughs> you should fire me right away because I'm going to, I'm yeah. the death knell of HR. You Here I come, the harbinger of doom. This. Yeah. Ooh. But every part of each of those hats that I wore, is kind of 
informed the way that I want to express myself personally, professionally now. So to answer your question, no, I would not do anything differently. There's, there's nothing. I'm, I'm so excited about the, the work that I'm doing in the still very sexy cannabis sector. I'm still very excited about deepening my knowledge in our relationship about what HR is and, and kind of the ins and outs of that. And I'm extremely excited at opportunities to help other people mm-hmm. do the things that I love to do in a way that that is easy for them in a way that makes sense for them, right? I'm going to be the spoonful of sugar. If you hate learning and development, if you hate process mapping, if you hate trying to figure out how to write an SOP, all you got to do Let's go to our Instagram, reach out to us, and uh, get your boy on the line. I'm more than happy to help you out, right? So yeah, this is going to this is I'm I'm doing everything that I love to do, and probably the 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 clearest pathway that I've ever had with all of the stuff that I love and none of the stuff that I don't like to do, which yeah. is great. You've or very few, very way. little yeah. of the stuff that I don't like to do, I should say. So as we kind of wrap up, first off, thank you so much for joining today we can't get rid of you because you're going to be my co-host that's right other people with me that's right one final question are you ready i am can you do a drum roll like christmas vacation there you go thank you if you had to give one piece of advice for an up-and-coming hr person what would it be Emotional intelligence. Invest in your own emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. No matter what field you find yourself in, you're going to be a cog that brings teams together, right? Whether you're building a team, whether you are trying to ease tension between two teams or to individuals, or you're trying to bring someone up, being able to understand the way a person thinks and emotes and incorporating that into a a common denominator where you can speak with that person and guide that person is going to, is going to, to help immensely. And I think everybody go to therapy, right? Every, all y'all go need therapy. This is going to be my therapy from now on. It's going to be put online. Just, yeah, (laughs) we're going to have a conversation. The, uh, invest in your own, exploration of emotional intelligence and whatever that is for you you know start reading about emotional intelligence start incorporating you know mindfulness into and i'm getting some big words and this is some homework for everybody but incorporating mindfulness into your personal and professional life and really digging into emotional intelligence and eq they call that right yeah i think that's the most recommended training that i do that that we recommend for c-suites to 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 down yeah. to anybody on on the lower level yeah it's it's your EQ. certainly and certainly in leadership i mean it's yep. going to help any no matter where if if you're looking at if you know if, you're, if i'm talking to an entry-level person eq is helpful because it will help you navigate what i mean any job is, has politics well, it to sets it. you up for success absolutely you know as you move forward absolutely. you know it's those folks um on the ground you know that have that eq like under control yeah. they're the ones that get promoted but yeah. whatever you can do to boost that, man, it's just going to make you, it's going to make you more likable at work, which is a big 100%. driver for me. It's yep. also, and, and the more likable you are, the easier the C's part. I have always found. 
Right. And it sucks that it has to be that way. There's going to be some people that says bullshit. I'm not going to do and that. I, and and fine. They, you know, the that's, game you 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 play, right? If you know you're I mean? if you're happy where you're at and you don't need that EQ, you're just you know, machining parts all fine. You don't need it. But if you want to, if you want to, if you want to move, if you want to grow, if you want to, um, there's no if you want to do if you want to get bigger. There's no way to do that without incorporating people around you. Yeah. And incorporate and, and and working with and and for people around you and and so if you want to do that EQ helps you navigate those relationships I think better than any other trait or quality. Love it. Mm-hmm. Well, Tony Tarbox, we're gonna be seeing you soon. Yeah, in the next episode. Yeah. In the next Together. episode. So listen, you can find us on all streaming platforms. We are, you know, just look for HR Unscripted. Make sure you like, follow, and give us a review if you like what you're hearing. If you know someone in the HR field, then also get onto our Instagram. What was that Instagram address again? It was HR underscore Unscripted. That's right. Find us on Instagram. DM us. Let us know if you want to be on the show. Let us know if you want our help. Let us know if we suck. We want to hear it all. So go to HR underscore unscripted on Instagram. Reach out to us there. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. And Amy, thank you for inviting me on this journey. Yeah.